do most agents who don't have access to the secrets that the top agents in our industry hoard to themselves grow and prosper in today's real estate environment? That's the question, and this podcast is the answer. I'm Pat Hyman, and welcome to Real Estate Rockstars. Hi, Real Estate Rockstars, this is Aaron Amuchastegui, and I am so excited to share with you our newest head podcast sponsor. You know, and this is a company called Rent Ready. Rent Ready is a landlord-tenant software that has everything you need to manage your rentals from your phone or your computer. No need to be tech savvy, download multiple programs, or hire a specialist. Rent Ready is easy to use for everyone. And if you do have a question, their customer support team is available to make sure managing your properties doesn't have to be harder than it already is. Rent Ready has a feature for every step of the landlord process. You can list your vacancy for free to Realtor.com and doorsteps, find quality tenants with a full tenant screening process, send and e-sign leases right from the app, and track maintenance requests. Yes, there really is one app for all of that. Best of all, not only is Rent Ready easy to use with awesome customer service, but it's affordable as well. Get a subscription of Rent Ready for as little as $1 a year when you sign up for their annual plan using code ROCKSTAR. That, now that's crazy, a dollar a year, why wouldn't you go sign up just to see, even if you've got one tenant or wanna try it with one of them? So that's right, you get a whole year of Rent Ready for just $1 when you sign up at rentready.com. It's spelled R-E-N-T-R-E-D-I.com using code ROCKSTAR. Real Estate Rockstars, this is Aaron Amuchastegui. Happy October 1st. We're in the final quarter of 2020, and if you're like me, I cannot wait for 2020 to finish out so we can start fresh in 2021. What's next year gonna look like? I don't know, but we've got three more months to really make 2020 as good as we possibly can. Now, this is that special episode that we do once every month to quickly recap the best podcasts we had in the month prior to see if there's anything that you wanna go back and listen to again. Here's part of the first one. This was one of our Real Estate Rockstars classics. This was an interview with Jeff Quinton years ago that we brought back because of how many downloads it got. So this one is how to become the perfect agent with Jeff Quinton. So when we're, we're building the perfect agent, the agent is that's gonna make a million dollars a year net like you in the science lab. What's the first piece of DNA that we're putting in that person? Just the, the, I think the first part is understanding that what it takes in the skills, and then when I think about skills, there's a lot of different things that breaks down on their skills. It's skills of, you know, pre-qualifying, following up, handling objections, closing skills, scripting, dialogues, you know, all that in, in just one. You know, when you write it out, it's much different than just talking it out loud. So you're able to write it, see it, and then your brain looks at it, and then you repeat it out loud. So that was some of the things that we did. You know, but also I had recorded. I recorded my conversations. I recorded my presentations, gone back and listened to them, studied them. I still do that still today. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Okay. What's the next chromosome that if, if we're going to build this great agent? I, I think the next part is mindset. Look, anybody can have the right to say, okay, I'm going to have a great mindset and, and, and that's all good. But really, why are you doing what you do? Might be focusing on the different equities of your life, Right. What are those goals in my areas? And you have to say, okay, well, where am I at physically, mentally, spiritually, family, money, you know, all those things, relationships. So when you come to work, understanding what it is that we need to do to get to the goals that we have in each of these type of categories, that would just be one side of the mindset. So let's, let's think about a daily routine or daily ritual. 
And what you can do is, you know, have uh, an environment in your home, review your goals, look at your dreams, write down things you're grateful for, things you want to attract for the day. These are all little things that I've done over the years and still continue to do. Okay. So what is that third puzzle piece? The third puzzle piece, I think, is just going to be just hard work. Okay. I mean, I'm talking about you show up, you do what you're supposed to do each day. You put the amount of time in that you need to. You just got to understand that it's going to take time and it's going to take longer than you think. And it's going to take the daily grind of getting on the phone. And it's also going to take the hard work of failing, especially on a competition that's out there today. More and more agents license come to the business. You know, more and more agents are coming in and it's just a very, very highly competitive business. But if you have the skills, you have the right mindset, and you're going to outwork your competition, you can make a ton of money in this business. A ton. And again, if you like that one, that was our September 7th at Real Estate Rockstar Classic with Jeff Quinton, How to Become the Perfect Agent. Rockstar Nation, this is Aaron Muchastegui. Hey, I hate to interrupt the current podcast that you're listening to, but I am so excited to share this with you. I just finished interviewing the original host of this podcast, my good friend, Pat Hyben. Now, I got to talk to Pat about how he started his real estate career and a whole bunch of tips and tactics that he used to be successful. So if you haven't listened to it yet, go check out State of the Market number 49. On there, I get to talk to Pat about all those different things. You know, and in there too, he talked a lot about his six steps for seven figures book and training program that he built over the last couple of years. And I realized I haven't done a good enough job of reminding all of you lately about all of the resources that we've built for you out there. So if you want to check out Pat's course, we've got like a three minute summary video when you go to it. It includes so many easy to follow tips that you can follow on it like a day to day basis. You can email reminders, all sorts of different things that come with that course. If you find that, you go to rebusuniversity.com, R-E-B-U-S, rebusuniversity.com. Look at courses. You can find the six steps for seven figures book. And really, there's a whole bunch of other courses in there too. Our normal prices used to be $1,500 or $2,000 a course. These are real deal professional courses. But now uh, during quarantine, a lot of them are priced down to like 90 bucks, 95 bucks. So we've slashed the prices going to right now is a time for everybody to be focusing on growth and education, especially while they're feeling like they don't have as much to do. And if you go in there and you figure like, like there's a lot of different courses you want, Maybe you don't want to buy the a la carte. You can go to futureofrealestatetraining.com and you can get access to all of our different courses for 97 bucks a month. I think there's a discount on there if you go a year or there's even like a lifetime option that you can pay to get access to every course we've ever put on Rebus University for as long as we have it. So go check out those options, Rebus University or futureofrealestatetraining.com. All right, back to your podcast. Sorry for the interruption. Next up, State of the Market 56. This was me talking about the foreclosure moratorium that was extended to the end of 2020, along with a bunch of other things with the HUD and real estate statistics. Go listen to it. The, this is on Inman. It says, FHA homeowners have the most to lose during the economic upheaval. The pandemic and the resulting economic upheaval have reignited fears that a 2000-esque housing market crash. Although common consensus says the average homeowner won't face the Great Recession, you know, the people that are FHA buyers, they have a lot more to lose. Now, a couple of different things that are making them have more to lose right now is they tend to have less equity in their houses. So if they have to make a change, if they have to sell the house, they don't quite have the equity protection. Also, for people that are going into forbearance right now, they do five or six months of forbearance. If they were trying to sell their house afterward, that those forbearance payments are really going to be the whole amount of equity. So when they go to sell their house, they may not have any equity at all. 
there, but it's just something to be aware of as we're trying to figure out where uh, the opportunities are, who needs the most help, and who's going to be the most willing and able and ready to buy a new house or sell a new house and what's going to be available and how that might affect the lending market as we get a little further. Now, let's jump to another Inman article. This next one says the 2020 market is now outperforming 2019. Now, this is crazy, right? But I guess everybody we've been talking to says it's really hard to get properties right now, driving prices way up. The On Tuesday, they projected that 2020 total home sales will squeak past 2019 numbers. That's really interesting to me because even though there's less you know, inventory on the market, maybe people now are more eager than ever to buy houses. And we all know that interest rates have been really, really low. So this is out in California. This article in Forbes says California extends their eviction moratorium amid rent crisis. And Governor Newsom in California, he just signed a bill banning evictions until February 2021. So he's pushing it even further. Two months past the regular federal government deadline. It says extending temporary relief for millions of Californians amid the coronavirus pandemic as many Americans struggle to pay rent since the federal eviction moratorium and enhanced unemployment benefits ended in July. So one of the things that they highlighted there is the federal eviction moratorium was, was over, but it hasn't really been over. That federal uh, foreclosure moratorium has continued to get extended. And as soon as that federal eviction moratorium was extended, they extended it in California. So in California, I mean, I don't think the people have been able to do any evictions you know, since March out here. So under the new law, tenants who pay at least 25% of their rent from September through July 31st will be protected from eviction and won't be liable for rent that was due from March through August until March 2021. At that time, they're going to have to pay that back rent. But I have to imagine that a lot of the people at that point will go ahead and move out. Maybe some of them will pay that back rent. But every time, if they're only paying 25% of their rent, it's going to be a lot harder for people to catch back up. So I would say in California, I look for March 2021 for some big shifts in available rentals and people moving in and out, maybe some landlords deciding that maybe they want to sell their property instead. Our next article on Forbes is related to that one. And it says eviction foreclosure moratorium on federally backed mortgage officially extended through the end of 2020. Now, you know, they're doing all these things right now to you know, prevent foreclosure, prevent eviction. That keeps kicking the can down the line. And I was trying to think about this the other day. I said, what is the solution? What is the solution out there when so many people are on unemployment, so many people cannot afford their rent or what they're paying right now? I can think the only solution that they're going to have is they're going to be able to downsize into smaller properties. And so what that really means is the lower end properties, the, the low, lower end rent, they're going to have a better opportunity to be able to you know, fill those vacancies. I think that is really the need. The only solution to people making less money is going to be downsizing. There isn't much of a solution in saying, hey, we'll just postpone until they have to pay rent. Now that renter that was paying $2,000 a month and they haven't paid since March, by the time it comes, they're going to have a check that they're going to owe you know, $14,000. And no renter that's been on unemployment for six months is going to be able to pay for that. So just some really interesting stuff as we combine and look at all of the news. It looks like there's a lot of you know federal and state intervention happening right now, trying to push a lot of that thing back. And maybe there's some investors right now that are looking at single family home rentals and mobile home parks. And I think there's going to be a high demand right now in people trying to find invest in rental properties where the rent is below average or below the median for those neighborhoods. So as people have to move, there are properties for them to move out into. And if you liked those few minutes, that reminder, you want to go back and listen to the rest of State of the Market 56. Next up, we have episode 929. This is the interview I did with Rachel Richards. It was so great. The spiel for her, retired at age 27. She talks about how she did it and how you can do it too. So tell us about, just tell me your story for a few minutes. You know, how did you get into where uh, you started investing uh, using that and, and what are your strategies that you try to share with everybody? 
Yeah, for sure. So I am 28 now. I own almost 40 rental units. The first question I always get from people is, are you a trust fund baby? And the answer is no, I'm not a trust fund baby. I've actually never made six figures in my life. My first job out of college, I was making 32 grand, um, but I was just saving a lot. I was being frugal, being responsible with my money. So in 2017, I think I was about 24 at the time, my husband and I, we purchased our first duplex with money that we had saved. And that was the beginning of our passive income journey. Before that, I didn't have any passive income. So fast forward to today, again, I have almost 40 rental units, 40 doors. I now have two best-selling books. And last year, I was able to quit my job and retire. And I'm now living off over $15,000 per month in passive income. So that is my high-level story. What was the first things you learned about being a landlord? What surprised you? Like, hey, this was easier than I thought. And what was, this was harder than I thought. So many things. So first, what surprised me before I even became a landlord was how long it can take to find the right deal. And this is where I think a lot of new investors get discouraged because it can take months and months to find the right deal. And as as agents know, the MLS, it's very competitive, right? It's very saturated. It can be difficult to find deals on the MLS. So I, I just had to stay patient. We made several offers on properties. We had several contracts on properties that fell through because of the inspection or something else didn't work out. So it took us nine months to actually find that first deal. So I always say, you know, be persistent, be patient. Don't settle for something. You will find the right deal. It's just a matter of time. Um, We had really great tenants from the get-go, and I think that's something we did right, whereas that might be a common mistake for others, is really screening our tenants very, very thoroughly. You know, running a thorough credit report and a thorough background check. We use the platform called Cozy, and even following up with the references that they put. So we got the right people into our units, which saved us a lot of time and hassle and money later on. Anything else that you're thinking that people should think about as they're looking for that first deal? I would say my biggest advice for new investors is do not underestimate your expenses. This is where most people go wrong when they get into a rental property because it's easy to just think, oh, my rental income minus my mortgage payment equals my profit, right? But that could not be further from the truth because you have all these other expenses you have to account for, like utilities. Who's going to pay utilities? Are you going to pay it or is the tenant going to pay it? What about lawn care and pest control? Who's going to pay for that? What about maintenance, HOA fees, vacancy, property manager, and then just a miscellaneous bucket? I mean, I could go on and on, but you have to make sure you estimate the expenses and be really conservative in your estimates so that you're not getting into a bad deal. Any tips for people just trying to you know, save money? Oh, for sure. So I ask this question in my workshops a lot. I'll say, hey, what sorts of things do you do if you're trying to save money quickly? The go-to answer is always, I'm going to eat out less. I'm going to make my coffee at home. I'm going to go, I'm going to stop doing online shopping. And I obviously agree with all those things. Those are all important, but there's a common theme there, right? We're all focused on decreasing our expenses. That's important, but there's also a limit. We can't stop buying groceries. We can't stop paying our rent or mortgage payments. So it's a little bit limited. If you really want to make an impact with your budget and save a ton of money, you should focus on doing both, decreasing your expenses and increasing your income. You can absolutely achieve financial independence. Anyone at any age and on any income can create passive income and retire early. And so I'll leave listeners with one of my favorite quotes by Zig Ziglar. And he said, you don't have to be great to start. You have to start to be great. 
I love that. You don't have to be great to start. You have to start to be great. So remind them what your book name so they can go buy your book. Where can they buy your book? Where can they come find you? What do you have for them? Yeah, for sure. So both of my books, Money, Honey, and Passive Income, Aggressive Retirement are available on Amazon in ebook, audio, and paperback. And my Money, Honey, I just released my second edition. And I have a new Ford that's written by Paula Pant of Afford Anything. So I'm super excited. Um, also, Aaron, I'd love to give your listeners my free passive income starter kit, where I outline those 28 passive income models, give a ton of free resources and tools. There's a worksheet that helps you figure out which passive income stream should I focus on creating first based on your time and your money constraints. So if anyone wants to download that, you can go to moneyhoneyrachel.com slash bonus. All right. If you like that one, go back and listen to the rest of episode 929 with Rachel Richards. Next up, here's State of the Market 57. This was me highlighting a lot of things that KW had talked about at their recent conference. So the, the, the biggest thing was tough times ahead, according to KW founder Gary Keller, and I dig into it. Well, one of the things that already hit Inman's front page for Real Estate News was from Gary Keller. He was talking to Jay Papazon, right? When it you know, opened up, they said, we're going to have a year or two of tough. The Keller Williams CEO and co-founder outlined the two stages of what's next for the housing market. The one And the biggest thing he talked about is he said, the pandemic is a very unique situation and the timing on its resolution is uncertain. The real estate industry is currently undergoing a K-shaped recovery. Essentially, there's two distinct groups and they're having two distinct experiences, which is why the economic uncertainty and high unemployment numbers are yet to be reflected in a housing market that's outpaced the years prior in home sales. That's a question a lot of you guys have been talking about. So I've said this a bunch. Half of our agents are busier than they've ever been and half of our agents are really, really struggling. People are saying, why is the housing market so hot? Why are we getting cash offers over asking? Why are we getting multiple offers on everything when right now the world is so bad, there's so much unemployment and everybody's struggling? Well, that's it because there's two different people out there that are experiencing this. Wealthy people right now in certain types of jobs aren't really struggling during this pandemic as much as people at the lower end of it. So here he goes in a little bit more detail. He says, unemployment in the leisure and hospitality sector of the economy was at 21.3% unemployment in August, while the financial activity sector was at 4.2% unemployment. And one of the things when it, when it hits lower employment is that typically faces renters. So the renters right now are facing high unemployment. Home buyers are not facing as high of unemployment. Hey, Real Estate Rockstars listeners, I'm sorry to interrupt again, but I want to do a quick commercial break, but this commercial break is different. This is stuff that I think you need, and this is me talking to you about some of the stuff that we had. So, you know, recently we had a lot of people reach out to us and say, hey, why don't you do a real estate mastermind? Why don't you do something where a lot of the listeners can get together and do some Zoom calls and ask each other questions and really just try to brainstorm and work together? I mean, there's a million masterminds out there. I don't know if this is something that we really want to do or not, or if we do, if we're going to limit it to maybe 20 or 30 people. We're just trying to figure out if any of you guys are interested. So if you have any interest at all in joining a mastermind with real estate agents around the country that are part of the Real Estate Rockstars Network, go to hybendigital.com forward slash mastermind and just join the wait list. It's just a really a formal, it's just an interest list for us to see, is this something we want to be doing? So that's that's number one. Number two, you go to hybendigital.com forward slash foreclosures. We have a two-day thing that we just finished recording. Now it's also inside Rebus University. And so you go to Rebus University and look at it. If you're already a member of Rebus, I'm, a lot of you guys are in the you know the monthly fee where you get access to everything. So we have a new course in there, 17 hours of content on how to buy foreclosures, on how to find deals, 
on how to you know do title, you know go to auction, also turn that into clients for your real estate agents. How you can turn somebody that's in default behind on their mortgages into a client. So go, you know, check out that course, especially for you know you can you can buy the course now. But again, most of you guys already subscribed to all that. I just wanted you to know there's another 17 hours of content, great great content that I just recorded on there. Uh, that all of you guys have access to now at Rebus University. And then finally, we have software that we talk about on and off. It's called Padhawk. And in Padhawk, you can use that to go find leads. What uh, you know, so everyone is really really busy right now, and we're so so busy. People are selling and they're saying there isn't enough product on the market. Right, so they 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 can't find houses. Well, Padhawk will help you find houses before they're listed. It helps you find owners that should be listing their properties or people that might want to get there. I recorded a quick video. It's like six or seven minutes long for you guys to look at, real estate agent specific on what how you can use the software in order to do it. So go to hybendigital.com forward slash leads. Again, there's a video in there. I talk about how you can use the software to do it. Check it out. If it's something that you like, you may want to sign up for it. 99 bucks a month that's nationwide any city out there and it is a great way to find houses so right now people are saying there's lots of buyers but we can't find enough houses well maybe you can use this software you'll find something that hasn't listed yet and make them an offer on their house all right back to your regularly scheduled program thank you for letting me interrupt you with that break All right, here's a hopeful piece of news. Now, this is another one that came from the Keller Williams event today. It says, Keller Williams president, 50% of your database is in jeopardy. Keller Williams president, Josh Team shared exclusive insight from Google that shows why there's so much market share up for grabs right now and how agents can take advantage. So if 50% of your database is in jeopardy, that means right now you've got to be making sure that your database is going to stick with you. But that also means if someone else's database is in jeopardy, you've got a chance of bringing those in. And what I've talked about before is in these falling markets where you know the world is a little bit, it's a little bit tougher, a little bit more competitive, it gives everybody a chance to do good. Everybody looks brilliant in a really hot real estate market. Not everybody looks good when it's just a little a bit harder and for things that we may be seeing soon. All right, here's my last article, which is going to be probably a little bit of fun stuff, a little bit of not so fun stuff. This was from Forbes. It says, unless you have just emerged from under a rock you were living for the last few months, you know, there's an undeniable reality. The steps taken to protect the public's health have staggeringly chilling effect on the American economy. 42% of jobs lost to coronavirus will be eliminated for good. Did you hear that? 42% of the people not working right now because of coronavirus those jobs are going to be eliminated for good. Reports as many as 40 million U.S. jobs were claimed by coronavirus at one point in late May. So that's really saying they think like 16 million of those jobs are out. The current American recession that could precede an eventual depression. Now, that is a pretty big statement to make there. The working class of American people have taken the brunt of the economic hit. The federal government has shown that they recognize the precarious position bill-paying consumers have. And so they issue top-down mandates to relieve that burden. It's the hope that this relief will continue to find its way into the lending industry in the coming months. Those with mortgage payments could see an opportunity to refinance. That'd be nice if people are able to refi their their forbearance agreements in. And maybe that makes the lenders happy because they're able to, maybe if they get some points on that refinance, they'll be happy with that pushing in there. A shortened period for approval for refinancing applications. A general opportunity to lock in more favorable terms. Now, this sounds like good news so far for most people. He's saying he's hoping that it leads to a lot more borrower-friendly protections and I see the point in that, but I also know that the more borrower-friendly protections they have in there, the tougher it's going to be for banks to want to lend, unless the government gets a lot more involved in lending more than they already are. Total housing inventory down 24% by mid-May. That's crazy, right? Went way, way down. 
And I'd say those who have been hesitant to sell their homes will now emerge and start to sell and that we'll see more houses on the market. I think most of you agents out there will welcome that. You guys are hoping that's going to happen. And this guy's saying, hey, it's going to happen before the end of the year. A locked-in mortgage rate that is favorable could reduce the number of motivated sellers once the rates rise again. Wow. Now that's a big impact people are talking about, right? So if right now rates are super, super low and the and prices might be at a peak, why would this person sell in a few years? So it's saying it's actually going to add to the inventory problem because if rates have never been this low before, it's going to it's going to take a miracle for somebody to want to sell their house when rates are going to be so much harder that you know it's it'll it'll kind of be like when people are changing. You know, we talked about when rates go down, people can afford more house. Well, what about in a few years after that 2023 mark, rates go up? Are people going to want to be selling that house? Probably not, because they would have the same payment to actually be downsizing. So that can be really unique as it goes. So there's a lot of different news there and a lot of different pieces that we just talked about. Okay, if you like that one, remember to go back and listen to State of the Market 57. The next highlight we have is episode 930 with Tara Carter. This was an interview that Paul Morris did with Tara and went through how she went from no paid leads to $30 million plus in annual sales volume. Uh, how do you do your business such that you don't have, so you don't ever pay for a lead? So pre-COVID, <laughs> we could talk pre-COVID and COVID. So I would, so 80, 60% of my business was pretty much um, sphere of influence, networking stacks, which I know we can talk about. So the other 40% was open houses, all the open houses, as many as you could think of. I have home court advantages, which are basically restaurants where I work out of specifically targeting that database, that clientele. Nice. And then make sure everyone knows my name. What, let me ask you. So, okay, so great. Now I've established a home court. How do I then let everybody know I'm a realtor? Uh, I'm looking for uh, potential business. What, what, what do I do? What am I missing? You would be sitting at the bar. Basic. You always want to sit at the bar in between the hours of two and four because that's when the tr- transitions shift. You would wear your name badge. I have a sticker on the back of my computer that says, have questions about real estate. Let's talk. And you can tell based on my conversations on the phone, and I'm usually the only one working during happy hour that Mm -hmm. I'm working. So naturally people come over and they're like, what do you do? And that usually leads into like, well, can you look and see how much my house is? So that's kind of one way. The thing that presence speaks for itself. I still do my negotiations. I still do anything I need to do, you know, and I have my little setup. So if you want to do networking stacks, what you do is you invite people that you want to do business with. For example, you invite a lender and you want to do business with an attorney and maybe you want to add an agent to your downline. So I'm going to book a lunch appointment from 12 to one. And I'm going to book probably maybe with the attorney, the a one to one thirty coffee with the lender and a one thirty to two o'clock with the agent. What's going to happen is when I sit down at the 12 o'clock lunch and he comes in because the hostess greeted him and told him to come to my table is I'm gonna let him know, Hey, so I'll let you know, I do have a one o'clock. Uh, so I'm really excited to you know talk with you. We get done at one o'clock. The hostess already knows the person's name for my one o'clock because I already told them I brought the pizza paper. They come to the table and then, you know, it's really great is, and this is a little system. It's all in the book, I swear. Um, so when the lender comes up for my one thirty, I make sure because now the guy knows, oh, you have a one o'clock. So he's watching the time. Well, when the one o'clock comes, I introduce the lender to the attorney because I want to make sure that they connect. And then I always excuse myself to the restroom, whether I need to go or not. It's just mm. a little tactic. By doing that, when I leave to the restroom, what do you think they talk about? They talk about business and they talk about you. 
You, oh, isn't, how do you know Tara? Oh, I've never met her from here. Isn't she great? Another credibility, da ding, check mark. What are you doing during that meeting? Talking about them. People love to talk about themselves. You shut up about yourself. Nobody wants to hear about you. <laughs> the goal is though, you need to find something that they are currently struggling with. Something that you can take away from the meeting that mm-hmm. is your homework assignment that you can now use that as a follow-up. Or I can have a conversation and say, it's the chosen one conversation. Mm -hmm. The chosen one script. Here it is. So when you, your family member, neighbor, coworker have a real estate need, who do you refer that business to? Sometimes it is, oh, well, I'll send it to you. However, I I don't get that one so often. Down here, I have 63,000 realtors in my area, which I'm sure you do too. So I usually get, oh, well, you know, we have have somebody that's like worked with our family for a while. And I say, okay, great. Do you work with them because they work with your family or do you really have a great relationship with them? Usually when I dig down deep, I find that the person is like part-time and a bartender or part-time and just is happened to get, you know, laid into the family. So it's the next conversation is, well, would you be willing to give me a shot and see how I do business? And then that's usually my end. And if they say that they're completely loyal to somebody, there's enough money to go around. I ain't mad about it, but I'm not going to spend no more energy once I ask the next question. So let me ask you, would you be willing to send me a referral the next 90 days to see how I do business differently? Now, I'm not asking you for all your business. I'm just asking you to see how I do business differently and wanted to know, would you be willing to refer me business to see how, see how I work? All right, if you like that one, remember to go back and listen to the rest of 930. That was Paul Morris's interview with Tara Carter. Next up, State of the Market 58. This is me talking to one of my good friends again, David Green. This was such a good one, we broke it into two State of the Market episodes. But here's a clip of the first one, State of the Market 58. I've noticed that like for agents that want to generate business, most of them are have been geared towards thinking I have to buy a lead from somewhere else. And buying a lead can be you and six other realtors got a name and a phone number of somebody that was forced to register on a website that has zero interest in selling their house. They just wanted to know what the market looks like. And you're trying to convince this person to buy. A much better strategy that I'll use, like most of the clients that I have, they come out of natural conversations with people. And I'll just ask them, how do you like about where you live? And they'll tell you, I hate it. Everything's shut down. I'm cramped up in this tiny space. I wish that I wouldn't have bought this condo. Or, you know, I really like my house, but I really don't like the area. The commute is way worse than what I thought. And then I will say, well, if you could get out of that spot into a spot you'd rather have and not have your payment change very much, would you be open to talking about that? Everybody will say yes. And your ability to tell a story or really paint a picture of what it could look like to get out of a spot they don't like and into a spot they do is a wildly important skill to develop as a real estate agent. You know, there's a few things in the news over the last couple of days that were pretty big to me that, you know, said foreclosures, no foreclosures now until the end of the year and no evictions until the end of the year. And then in California, the governor extended and he said no evictions until February. What, do you think that, how do you think that those two things are going to affect you know, lenders, landlords? Does it make you want to be a landlord less? Over a 30-year time frame owning a home, this is a small blip in the radar that's a minor inconvenience. It doesn't feel like that when you're going through it, but I remind myself of that a lot. This doesn't mean that owning real estate isn't going to build wealth or that it's a bad idea. 
it is an inconvenience. And the advice that I'm giving people, because I get this a lot from hosting bigger pockets, there's a lot of people that come to me and say, What should I do? Here's my situation. It, I advise landlords, tell them it's just three to four months of you know interest-free living here, but the bill is going to come due. You will get an eviction on your record. You will still have to pay that money. You're not actually avoiding this. Let's work together so that I don't have to put an eviction on your record. You can now rent from someone else at some point. And I don't have to go through this really cumbersome process and expensive process of an eviction. I think if more of us could communicate that better, you would see less tenants that were actually forcing the hand of the landlord. So let's say there's a year where people don't pay their mortgage. Do you think lenders are going to be less likely to lend? You think that, the, or you think there's going to be bailouts? I mean, and this is just straight conjecture. But part of me goes, the problem with no fear of, of foreclosure is more and more people might not pay their rent and then get themselves where they're too far behind. So do you think the government will have to do bailouts for lenders to want to lend again? I think the government is going to do bailouts if lenders stop lending. A lot of people don't understand how the lending world and the government are tied together. I'm a mortgage broker now, not just a real estate broker. So I've learned quite a bit more about the lending world. I think that if we see something that really disrupts the typical lending industry, like a lot of foreclosures that all happen again. Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac will tweak their guidelines. And every mortgage broker that originates a loan does it to those guidelines because that's who's ultimately going to be buying the property. So I can see scenarios where your type of occupation is given a rating like how risky it is. So if you work for a company like Tesla, maybe you're considered less risky. Whereas if you work for the post office where we're hearing all this talk that they may get rid of it, you're considered more risky. Or for these people, they have to have a higher down payment if they work in an industry that's riskier for the lender. I, I don't think that will happen on its own. I think like most things will react and respond when something goes wrong. It's not until something goes wrong that everyone says, okay, how do we stop this from happening? And they come up with a new plan. That's something I would expect to see. It's hard for me to see lenders actually saying you can't put 3% down anymore or 5% down. You have to put down more. Just because the government is now tied to the lending industry and they would look at that like discriminatory. Oh, you're saying these people can't buy a house just because they don't have 20% that's discriminating yeah. against a certain people group. So because those two worlds are tied together, I don't think that's likely to happen. All right. And if you liked that, you want to go back and listen to the rest of State of the Market 58. Next up is the second half of that interview, State of the Market 58, part two, another one with David Green, co-host of the Bigger Pockets podcast. It's sometimes in scale. So some people would say, hey, the scale is I'm going to do one house a month for the next year, or I'm going to do one house this month, one house next month, two two houses the next month, where they start. Did you get to where you started doing more per month or more expensive, or did you just stay steady and it all added up? Yeah, that's a very good point. At the time when I was working in law enforcement, it was very steady and consistent and predictable and somewhat boring, which is still probably a great model. I'd recommend almost everybody should be aspiring to that. Regardless of how big of plans you have, that model will work for you. Building wealth should be boring. It should be somewhat predictable. Real estate is a get rich slow game. And that was why I really liked it. It was when I started selling houses as a real estate agent and transitioned out of being a police officer, investor kind of agent into a full-time agent that was also investing that it was kind of like I hit the NOS on the car. It started going so fast that I had to let go of some of the other things that I was doing. But what I found from doing that was that I got really good at building systems. I got really good at being more organized. I learned to put a team around me. I learned to be focused more on the vision of what I'm trying to do than just in the trenches, putting a nail into a piece of wood, which is very hard to break out of that when that's what you're used to. And then when I take all this knowledge and I transition it back into the real estate stuff, 
it will be, you know, five to 10 houses for every one that I used to buy, but it will feel like the same amount of work. I feel like the, the business of being a real estate agent is one of the simplest and easiest businesses to scale. Now, I don't mean it's easy to be successful at doing it. What right. I mean is it's one of the easiest businesses to systemize. And it's kind of like with training wheels. It takes a minute if you're going to try to systemize this before you're going to go really fast. But for the most part, our commissions are big enough that there is plenty that can be chunked out of that and paid to somebody else to scale a business slowly and systematically. What's your favorite part about real estate? The boring way it can build wealth for people. Yeah. I mean, if we're really honest with ourselves, why most people aren't ready for retirement or don't build wealth is a lack of discipline. They're not good at saving money. They're not good at telling themselves no, right? I love real estate because it forces you to be disciplined. It forces you to make smart financial decisions, right? You're renting for $1,800 a month. You buy a property, you pay $2,200 a month. In four years, your rent would have been $2,200. Now, every single year, you're saving money that you did that you don't even have to use discipline to do. And you're paying off a mortgage. And the property is going up in value. And 20, 30 years later, even if you had no discipline and that was the only good decision you made, it's you benefited hundreds of thousands of dollars. And then you can repeat that really easy. I think that's the part that's always been so appealing to me is that it's one amount of work, like the stress of going through an escrow, the saving of the money, the signing of the documents, the making the decision, all the anxiety that no one likes when they say home buying is stressful, that now is done and you benefit for the rest of your life. Do you have any books you're working on right now? Yeah. Thank you for asking that. I know we both are going to... The book I'm working on right now is going to be a three-part series. And it's funny. It's a lot of what we just talked about. It's going to be a book written for real estate agents who want to make more money and grow their business. One Man, I just teed you up on accident so perfectly. Yeah, that was, that that was brilliant. Really good. I look really, really... Yeah. And here's the cool thing. It's published by the same person that just published your book. It's from Bigger Pockets Publishing. So people awesome. can buy both of our books when they go on there at the same time. The first book is due in December. It's being edited right now. And it's going to be how to make it as a real estate agent. For the newer people or the people that are not crushing it, here's the fundamentals that you have to understand about how to take listings, how to work with buyers, how to organize your day, uh, script objection handling. What do you do when someone says this? You say that. Well, how do you actually say it? Make sure you say it this way, not that way. The second book will be to make you a top producer. Okay. You've got the basics down. You want to learn how top producers act, what they do all day, what they do different than new people. Here's everything you have to know. And then the third book in the series will be for what I call rock stars, just like your show here. A rock star is an agent who has a team around them, but they're not completely passive. This is more like where I am right now. I still do listings. I still work with buyers, but I use admin and I use showing assistance to do the majority of the heavy lifting. If you go to biggerpockets.com store, you can get Aaron's book, uh, Bidding to Buy, that you wrote with David Osborne and then... Uh, Uh, my series will be coming out and if you liked that one that was the second half of state of the market 58 with david green and that's all we've got those are all of our september highlights as now we get to start october and see what's next so come back in a few days for the newest episodes we have i recorded a ton of great ones can't wait to hear them Rockstar Nation, thank you for listening to Real Estate Rockstars. Listen, I need a favor. If you find this free content helpful, if you find our downloadable items from each guest helpful, please, I need you to pull out your pointing finger, yes, the one finger that points at people, and hit subscribe. Yes, subscribe. The more subscribers we get, 
the better we look in the ratings and the easier it is to get guests like Robert Kiyosaki, Barbara Corcoran, all the players that are on the million dollar listing in the different cities. All that stuff makes it easier the more subscribers we get. So please subscribe. And listen, there's a lot of places you can leave comments. There's a lot of places you can like. We're on Facebook. We have an Instagram page. Instagram page is I am Pat Hyben. The Facebook is Real Estate Rockstars Radio. Feel free to leave us comments there. The most popular form of commenting seems to happen on YouTube. Yes, for whatever reason, it's a very open environment. So just go to YouTube and go to Real Estate Rockstars Radio and leave us comments there. Some of them we will read on the show. And we love your feedback. So thanks, guys, and I hope you are having a great day. Oh, and also, listen, if you're going to subscribe and you haven't already left us a, a review on iTunes, please do that, too. Have a great day, and thanks so much, Rockstar Nation. I really appreciate you. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.